Welcome to South of Hollywood. It's Ife Freedom. And Tenacity That DJ. Happy March. And today we're going to be discussing cinema noir. And so we have a very special guest with us here today. Why don't you give yourself an introduction? Hi, y'all. I'm Amy. I am Ife's co-worker and a subtitler by trade and <laughs> horror fanatic, I guess, all around. Yes, <laughs> awesome. So why don't we just jump into today's episode? Let's talk about some uh, hot trailers out there. What's on your radar? Oh, okay. So uh, recently that just dropped on HBO uh, on the 10th, The Case Against Adnan Saeed. So this is a four-part documentary based off of the serial podcast uh, that was like really great, uh, vamped off in like 2014, 2015, brought a lot of interest in, in a case of, uh, you know, someone who may be falsely accused. So the HBO uh, series gives a good opportunity to have a visual representation of what exactly went on uh, back in 99 when uh, the ex-boyfriend of a young high school woman uh, is, you know, charged with her murder. Let's go ahead and check it out. 18-year-old Heyman Lee disappeared on January 13th. Police found her half-buried body. She had been strangled. The suspect is Adnan Musad Syed. I've been saying to Don, we should go to media, we should go to journalists, because they can do things we can't do. Adnan Syed's story has captivated millions since the launch of the podcast Serial. It's our responsibility as investigators to consider other suspects. Now, Adnan Syed heads back to court as questions about his case continue to surface. This is a piece of evidence that nobody even realized existed for all these years. I might have been the last person to see him. I'm telling you, that's what happened. I wish I never would have talked to y'all in the first place. This is perhaps the critical piece to this day's case. I know there are things that don't look good for me. Yeah, I think that just shows the power of a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it was just formatted. Like, the whole first season of the podcast was just surrounding this case. And then for it to just have renewed attention and also have relevancy to, to, uh, to recently where... Uh, the Maryland courts actually reinstated Saeed's conviction. Mm -hmm. So it's a saga, you know, to be <laughs> continued. Uh, and shout out to HBO for capturing all those salacious documentaries as of late, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Definitely looks like some scary stuff. Um, something else that's kind of borderline, a little bit dark. Um, there's this uh, new trailer, and I'm not sure if it's actually going to be a film made or if it's just a way for them to pitch sort of the idea um, about a reinterpretation of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You all have mm -hmm. seen Fresh Prince of mm -hmm. Bel-Air. Come on, it's like Will Smith star is like one of the best like TV shows of the 90s. <laughs> and there's this um, trailer now that's more about a serious interpretation and kind of dark, like I said, cinema noir, got a very mm -hmm. like, you know, gritty a uh, hardcore feel to it. And so it just looks amazing. Let's check it out. See, for some reason you think this is a game. This is not a game, Will. 
Look at you. Look at you. The only reason why you're not in jail is because Uncle Phil called in a favor. Take your time. Go deep. Champion. Too easy. Stupid. So what did you guys think of that? It's deep. Oh my god. <laughs> it's it's it kind of you know it shines up a mirror, but it's also like oh yeah that probably is what the real We're situation was. Right. You know yeah. there probably would have been less you know mm -hmm. bright '90s colors mm -hmm. and singing. It would have been a lot more like oh shit this is. This is a really serious situation. You have to leave home. Yeah, I mean, like, I just, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I love the way they kind of play up on the idea of how young black men are kind of dealing with their environment and then treated mm -hmm. in the hood, and then what it's like to just get completely thrown into the opposite of privileged society. Yeah. And it looks like he has a struggle, but then he still kind of adjusts, and we all know yeah. Fresh Prince was loved by everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so taking away that feel-good <laughs> element of a, of a sitcom, mm -hmm. that, you know, usually, like, I'm expecting this mm -hmm. for comfort, you know, for what it is. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like, you yeah, can yeah, you the get, situation. Mm -hmm, I can't. Uh, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, so um, I believe that's directed by Morgan Cooper, so that's an up-and-coming mm -hmm. filmmaker, so. Let's see more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I hope you get a good chance to pitch that and somebody picks it up. Please. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about one of our favorite subjects. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are now in the state of Mary Jane. For the state of Mary Jane, we have cannabis jobs that are like booming more than any other industry. And uh, that's a surprise, because you know, Bureau of Labor Statistics, when they released their 2018 jobs report, they had no you know, mention of it at mm -hmm. all. But uh, Leafly, along with uh, Whitney Economics, was able to track a growth of 211,000 jobs as of now, uh, just by the cannabis industry alone. And what was surprising to me is that out of all states, state of Florida had the <laughs> greatest uh, love, you know, percentage of growth and jobs employment, 703%. That was 9,000 full-time jobs wow. that were created, you know, just on cannabis alone, you know. So we, we know about California, it's, it is a still a top right now along with Nevada. Mm -hmm. But uh, Pennsylvania is even in the game and New York, you Kentucky know. Kentucky is getting in there. Oh, so it, mm. it does a state by state breakdown on Leafly. Uh, you can go and you know check out this jobs report as to you know what's going on. So we really need to be keeping track. The federal government soon will not be able to ignore mm -hmm. you know how beneficial mm -hmm. this is going to be for the country. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you, Leafly, <laughs> for, <laughs> for for taking the time uh, for creating that jobs report. It was mm -hmm. great news to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really hopeful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't deny when people are getting money and are, you know, stimulating the economy and giving mm -hmm. back to society, paying taxes on their income, I guess, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> well, and lately, like, technology has been dominating the job market because it's been, you know, there's this new thing, we need people to make this and this. 
and it's kind of hit like a bit of a dip lately like just you know well there's china going on <laughs> but it's so great to see something that's been kind of like a dirty secret mm-hmm. suddenly prove as we've known all along that you know this is an incredibly beneficial industry and mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm glad even if it's happening slowly i'm just glad it's happening yeah, and speaking of passive income, there is <laughs> a new way you can get involved in the marijuana industry through High Times IPO. That's right, your favorite magazine on <laughs> THC is hoping to go public in on the stock market. So this is really exciting because they would ideally be the first um, weed-based full-time company sort of thing, distributor, Mm -hmm. that would actually be on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, I don't know how much stock costs right now, but, you know, they're looking to get people to pre-invest and be, you know, sort of on the the ground floor, get involved, get a portion of the stock now. And then when the stock actually goes public, you know, ideally you'd be able to trade it and, and make a profit. I'm going to get my bands up. <laughs> yeah, so I'm definitely saving up because I do feel like it's an industry that can only get better. And, you know, I'm down with getting high as much as possible. So, yeah. <laughs> it's in a little bit of limbo right now, but mm-hmm. it could be limboing right back up. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think overall the industry's only going to grow. So, you know, if you're, if you're actually a pot smoker, you probably need to get some stock. Right? Like, yeah, get actual yeah. stock in pot. Like, why yeah, not? Make the pot work for you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Money grows on trees, maybe? I don't right. know. Right. I like even, that. Even better Did you return. come up with that? <laughs> Who knows? So, yeah. Well, shout out to High Times and shout out to all the celebrity endorsements that were, like, easily attached to, <laughs> to the promo. Um, we were all shocked. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and it looks like they're intending to come out with their own dispensary. So I think that's a full mm-hmm. circle with, mm-hmm. with the progress that they intend to make, mm-hmm. their chain, their brand. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, they also have like a media empire and they're hoping to grow that too, you know, with television, film production centered around marijuana, I'm assuming, or, you know. I mean, they're, I think they've been poised for a long time to mm-hmm. take this step. Like mm-hmm. it's a very natural progression. But just the social climate has been a little res- restrictive, if yeah. you will. <laughs> right. Now seems like a good Criminalized, time. Criminalized. Right. Uh, That's one way to put the word, it. actually. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, you guys, make sure you get some stock in high times. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a toke, check out these commercials. We'll be right back. <laughs> We're glad you liked the show. Go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel now. In addition, we can be found on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. If that wasn't enough, you can check us out on Facebook on our South of Hollywood page, Twitter at SOH The Podcast, as well as SOH Podcast Official on Instagram. Our website, SouthofHollywoodPodcast.com, is live and running. Go and check out exclusive content. If you like SouthofHollywoodPodcast.com, then advertise with us and reach new audiences. Contact us at sales at southofhollywoodpodcast.com for more information about affordable rates. All righty. And thanks for joining us on our South of Hollywood podcast. Make sure you follow us online on Facebook, Instagram, and SoundCloud and iTunes. Yes, make sure you subscribe. 
Links are below. So let's get into what's hot. There's so many things going on. What are, What's the first thing? Definitely. Okay, let's just recap on these Oscars oh, right yes, quick. Oh, yes, of course. Please. How could I forget? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. those happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so on February 24th, the 91st annual Oscars happened. And it was a really interesting and great night. There was the blackity, blackest, black, yeah. blackity, blackest, blackity, blackest, black, blackest Oscars ever. Ever. <laughs> it was the what? <laughs> <laughs> They don't need hoes for sure. Although I was really excited when, you know, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and I know my Rudolph yeah. came out. I was yeah. like, <gasps> that was a good start to but, the after. Yeah. But of yeah. course, immediately we are not your hosts. Mm-hmm. Right. But, and, you know, it, it was still good from there, but it was a slight disappointment for me. Mm. <laughs> I mean, at least it saved everyone in Hollywood that would have been a host from a critique Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he, like you bombed sir yeah, <laughs> where's Kevin Hart when you need him right? yeah. yeah I mean uh, unless you're Billy Crystal like yeah. you're just gonna get yelled at like this it's kind of thankless it's um, a thankless job and honestly yeah. though I don't like it because then it's always like we have to spend all this time on who the host is and like yeah and their monologues yeah and their jokes kind of a, kind their of a late talent. night feel yeah, to it yeah and it just wasn't necessary like there's 50,000 movies that nobody saw this year. Let's figure <laughs> out what awards they deserve. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, so certainly they worked out the hostless Oscars to the best of their ability. Good job. Uh, so, first of all, shout out to Regina King for winning Best Actress in a Supporting Role. And for, for that dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was stunning, amazing, absolutely beautiful. I hope one day to have legs like that. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. <laughs> yeah, and, and that being the first uh, award of the night, you know, televised, mm-hmm. it, I think good start for me to feel confident about who else may win although i was really disturbed like why does it start off with best supporting actress and then Uh, a whole bunch of technical awards like what is that about i thought it started off with supporting actor which isn't any better Mm -hmm. it's also kind of a it's almost like you jump in in the middle yeah she was literally the first award Yeah. yeah yeah i mean yay but also like Oh, that was fast. Yeah. Like, yeah. So question. Yeah. How do you guys categorize? I mean, I know they were trying to take things out and then they were forced to put oh, it back yeah. in. So did they just like, well, like, fuck it. We're just going <laughs> to just mumbo jumbo. Well, yeah. I mean, like it. Uh, pr- somebody probably got fired for that idea. <laughs> just, uh, well, because I think some of the ca- some of the categories that they were trying to take out that's what uh like a uh, cinematography yeah um, i want to say oh yeah there. hair and makeup mm-hmm. yeah it's like no 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 like, i mean and i guess in this case for instance you know we got you know um hannah bleakler for production design and ruth carter for best costume design for uh, black panther so I was actually happy that those awards were aired because they really deserved Thank them. You. They, they needed to be seen. To be Especially, seen. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I definitely was looking at, there was quite a litany of technical awards and I was just kind of like, yeah. Oh. But maybe if those had just come first in general, I would have been like, okay, great. The technical awards mm-hmm. are the first thing out of the way. I was just confused as to why 
the best supporting actress came first, then followed by the technical it, it, award. Maybe it's a coin flip thing. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Between this and sound editing. Uh, uh, oh, okay, this one. Oh, yeah. Right. And uh, speaking of sound editing, shout out to Bohemian Rhapsody that did win a flurry of you know the top tier technical awards best Mm -hmm. editing Mm -hmm. best sound editing best mixing Mm -hmm. uh so it was well deserved for those categories i was rooting uh for bohemian rhapsody to win in those Mm -hmm. categories what was the biggest surprise of the night or shock (laughs) good or bad i guess um, I mean, aside from Green Book winning and that being, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that, that's kind yeah. of a given. I mean, yeah, well, it didn't deserve it. But apart from that, <laughs> um, p- presenters and awardees, uh, I forgot it when, um, Aquafina, I think mm. when she came on, was, oh, yeah. was she trying to make some interaction with Spike Lee that was like awkward? I don't know. It was like mm. Spike Lee was there. Everyone wanted to be there, but I know he. It was like I felt like he needed to be in the bubble because you know you could just yeah. He, he his face don't lie. I think know? that yeah, that was the biggest surprise of the night. I was happy that was a good surprise that Spike Lee actually won for best adapted screenplay. And, you know, he was genuinely excited. They were happy. They had um, Samuel L. Jackson up there. So they had it all set up really nice for this, like, super beautiful black moment, hugs and kisses. So, we, yeah, we should have known that Green Book was going to win after that. Like, yeah, like, like, here's your moment. Yeah. Right. So that yeah. was like, now the, it's done. Right. It's done. No one say anything. We did it. But um, I know what my... What really surprised me, and I didn't notice this until the next day after I'd watched it, mm-hmm. nobody said the president's name. Oh, really? There were references made, mm-hmm. but nary his name was mm-hmm. mentioned. And I thought, it's like, we did it. <laughs> One night we did it. Some serious and- black magic. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. And, and then just speaking on the... Uh, the efforts for like cultural expansion and mm-hmm. that self-awareness uh there was a segment where uh there was like subtitles used to you know basically translate the significance of like foreign films and mm-hmm. and so i found that like really interesting ways to to segue and i think once again that's always like a, a tribute to a lack of host mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but, uh yeah i i found that it was a lot less um awkward as far as look at how inclusive we're being now compared to like mm-hmm. the Golden Globes how that mm-hmm. how that was and yeah, it was just, yeah. you know um, so I I really liked it Lady Gaga's performance <laughs> amazing I think just gosh I mean, what, else, <laughs> what else can we say shallow mm-hmm. um, so yeah it was a good night for me uh, I was overall satisfied I'll give a B plus yeah, I definitely think it was a good night. I was in Nigeria, so I went to sleep. I didn't actually watch it all. And, you know, I'm... Show off. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just out of the country. I was just on the other side of the earth watching it in the midst of the night. And I was like, this is enough for me. Um, like, yeah, but, you know, I just thought that it was really fun to celebrate that so mm-hmm. many uh, people from diverse backgrounds were actually recognized and I really hope that, once again, just like last year we said, like I really hope this gives more support to people of color, for independent filmmakers, and you know, for just filmmakers in general to tell more daring and creative stories. So, mm-hmm. 
I definitely think, you know, every, the films that were nominated were definitely groundbreaking in some way or another. Even, mm-hmm. uh, you know, A Star is Born in its own way for being, like, made the fourth time. Because, like, you just got to have balls to re- fucking remake a movie that everyone already knows how it turns <laughs> out. So, you know, I give them props for that, basically. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think that there's a, there's more work to be done. There's so. a there's a ways to go, but we are going, so... Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a shame that it's baby steps, yeah. but it's, it's, it's an, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks Oscars. We will see you next year. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of a, <laughs> another attempt to look at mediocrity, um, Ouch. let's talk about <laughs> the college entrance scandal. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah, and I am so very unsurprised. Uh, I, yeah. I, I guess I'm surprised that it took this long to for something. Out. Yeah, for something like this to come out, and yeah. so yay, it's been exposed. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, think of all the people mm-hmm. that were not exposed. That's that's one thing that I think about. Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I definitely think it's the tip of the iceberg. You know, they basically they only basically you know indicted one man. Mm-hmm. and his ring and his connections and he turned on all the people that he had been working with <gasps> but imagine this bigger network of people who were all who were doing this like they he couldn't have been the only yeah. college entrance agent who was connecting schools and yeah not an isolated people. incident yeah. oh, oh i mean well the the was the operation varsity blues the yes, fbi <laughs> right yeah <laughs> So they identify 50 people, so Hollywood stars, top CEOs, college coaches, standardized as administrators, athletic coaches, you know, yeah. just... I knew those were rigged. Right, yeah, right. I did. Coast to coast, I mean, right here, USC, UCLA, mm-hmm. University of San Diego, San Diego, that's how you say San Diego, mm-hmm. I promise. Yale, Yale University. Forest. I know people who went to these schools, okay, like... It's crazy, like, okay, so I went to private school, and so I just always assumed parents that, number one, could pay full tuition were somehow, you know, influencing Mm -hmm. or bribing or getting their kid in because their kid wouldn't necessarily be smart, but I just assumed, okay, clearly they had enough money to get their kid in school here. Like, that just always was in my mind. But the idea that the schools were so complacent in it, I think that's the Mm. real crime here. And, you know, that again, the particular guy that did it, you know, he had a charity and this was supposed to be a nonprofit. And, you know, there's people out here who are just using legitimate, you know, titles for people who are like really making nonprofits and really trying to help kids and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, just making it all so sully. So it's like ruining for the rest of us. Like, bro, 25 million million dollars. I mean, that just adds, like, another layer of, like, yeah. kind of sleaziness to it. It's so corrupt. And it's like, don't bring charity into yeah. this. Like, it's and already bullshit. And just the, just the idea that, and then I personally think the kids know. I don't give a rat's ass. Mm. The day your mom was like, well, you go into this interview and you tell him that you used to fucking row for Bentley's school scholarship Oh, class. yeah, yeah. There's no Ma- way the kids didn't know. Yeah, claiming yeah. they were on different athletics yeah. teams. Photoshops. Photoshop, I mean, and then when you got Using a letter. Photoshop for evil? Yeah, like, even if you literally had no idea, when you got a letter from the school that said, okay, we've put you on the crew team, and you know that you literally never fucking 
road a day of crew in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or when you take an SAT exam, not at your school and then never get your grades. Like when, who, they, when did they get them? Like when did, like, I would have been like, mom, I never got my SAT Oh, mom scores. got them. Like, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. I've taken care of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So there's no way the kids didn't fucking know. It's impossible. <laughs> right. And, and it comes from, I mean, it does hit home with the, some of the actors or entertainers that were involved. Mm-hmm. So you got Felicity Huffman, William H. Macy from from Shameless, mm-hmm. um, you know, Lori Laughlin, Full House, Fuller House. Yeah. You know, uh, going and, to the big house now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and just all this fallout that's showing about like, you know, around the time this is happening, them being out in public and having this one display of seemingly empathy mm-hmm. uh, for the common man, so to, so to speak, or honesty and having integrity. And, and it's like- Us little people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and at this point, I think was even more shocking or really why it's such a hot topic, I think, is is the use of video and the fact that, um, you know, well, one kid has responded, uh, apparently smoking weed. I never saw it, but whatever. And then the other girl, you know, they went back on her Instagram and Twitter and found like, you know, her initial college submission videos which just like oh i'm here to party have a good time i don't even care about school obviously this is not a real world audition yeah so (laughs) i think and i think that's probably the most disturbing part of it too is like Mm -hmm. these people's kids didn't even care about college they didn't really want to go to college they obviously didn't have the personal ambition themselves to go to college yeah and like i said you know the minute your mom's like oh make sure in this interview you say this and they're just like sure mom like no these kids didn't give a fuck like and there it's really evident in their projection of their Mm -hmm. college life also yeah yeah what's terrifying is these are the motherfuckers that grow up and become politicians and then like that's like donald trump like Mm -hmm. his parents obviously paid for him to go to school and bribe people to get him in and bribe people to keep him out of the war and bribe people to get him into, you know, or gave him just a million dollar loan to start a company. Like, this is literally the definition of, like, how we got the current president. Like, (laughs) Well, I mean, that's why I wasn't surprised at all. It's like, well, look at at our country's leader right now. It's like, gosh, I wonder how he did on his SATs. If he took them, like, it's just... You know, it's not new, but it is just a really unsettling reflection of money talks. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess when it comes down to it. And mm-hmm. but for, I, I just don't get for these parents like that is a damn expensive piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I mean, and right. I guess bragging rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, they're paying. I mean, what some of the bribes was some of them would be like 15,000 up to like. Five hundred thousand yeah, is like, yeah. yeah. Dude, the degree is like not even that much. Yeah, like that's the part it's I don't like, understand. How much does NYU cost? What? And then it's like your kid just wants like a like a fashion design degree. Like just let them go to like a much lesser school and just let them. Well, they want to go to like four year summer camp. Yeah, but school camp, I guess, and. So I guess they're happy to be there, the but... The vanity. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's... It's crazy. Yeah. And if you've, have you seen USC lately? And, like, the building up of the campus with all the, mm-hmm. the extra money that we have, a mall. And so it's, like, it's 
Yeah, the money is there. The money is there for sure. I mean, that's what I said. I just always assume people who could pay tuition, their kid just got in because they could pay tuition. You know, Mm -hmm. it didn't matter that they were like a good grade. It was like, you know, it's like enrolling your kid in summer camp. Literally, it's like, okay, I have $300,000. Sure, no problem. I just just remembered another story I heard about uh, college students, particularly in L.A., uh, like those who do not live on campus. They have to make a decision between like rent and food. Now, you know, of course, they choose rent and they just... uh, it's not malnourishment, it's undernourishment. Yeah, for sure. It's like, so there are kids who are not even feeding themselves fully mm-hmm. and, you know, don't have the option of a full ride. And these motherfuckers, mm-hmm. like... You just described me my whole time at Columbia. Like, <laughs> very hungry. <laughs> yeah, very, very hungry. ambitious, but very hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I remember at Syracuse, um, the same thing, where it's like almost like food stamps, where it lasts like three-fourths of the month. And then by the end of the month, you're fucking like eating junk food out of the machine. It's like crazy. Well, I took way too much advantage of my meal plan. So when I went into the cafeteria, it's like, okay, are the workers looking away? It's like, I'm taking all the bananas. And, you know, it's like the soy milk for my roommate. And, but it was, you know, you were doing stupid things like that because I got to buy books and I can't pass this class without this $90 textbook. So... Oh, your mom paid for all four years? And you, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Forgive our loans. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think think that also boils down to the argument that people or the outrage that people have been feeling for the past week talking about it Mm -hmm. because it's also, um, you know, a slap in the face of affirmative action. For like, for so long, the dominant white supremacist mindset has been affirmative action is awful. Affirmative (laughs) action is black people. Unfair. Unfair. Affirmative action is black people taking white people's seats at the table. (gasps) Although mm -hmm. white women were the most initial, the initial beneficiaries. They wanted to be able to have, you know, give them access to college. <laughs> no, there's nothing right. wrong. Right. There's nothing wrong with that because what I'm saying is, is like when we recognize that this was a system in order to give somebody an advantage who was traditionally disadvantaged, there was no problem with it. But when we started saying, oh, well, black people and Latino people are also benefiting from it, now all of a sudden it's like, well, we have to figure out how to get rid of this. Mm. And I think the last attempt that was made still by this uh, white supremacist, but then he got like Asian students to do it you know that he was the last attempt to you know take a case to the supreme court against affirmative action and i'm really wondering like so are those asian students now about to like start suing on becky and um Lori laughlin like are they need to sue them and be like you're the reason we can't fucking get into harvard and yale because y'all are out here paying your kids way and they're fucking dumbasses lying and cheating and stealing to get into school that's, I had imagined, like I said, I imagine a bigger investigation would find out that it's way more people doing that mm-hmm. at all kinds of schools, at every type of level, just because there's always, there's some dickwad in Wisconsin who thinks he's buying his kids way in somewhere. To you know? Oh, yeah. You know, to <laughs> yeah, it's like, or they're Duke. there. So I, I definitely, as a, also as a black person that went to college, like, and I didn't have affirmative action. I had to take out a lot of fucking loans. I will never own a house <laughs> given this current country. 
because Yay, I had to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> and here it is. These Sponsored. fucktards are just buying their way in. And then their parents typically give them a job after also because that's the other flip coin. They just get a degree so that they can feel in superior when they're managing other people who actually had to work to learn their skill or spend years, uh, you know, in the field before they got hired somewhere. Well, <laughs> my dad, you know, I just work here because my dad wanted me to work here. And then they're like managing hundreds of people's lives, you know, just being complete <laughs> dickwads and being like, who cares if you have child care on the weekends? We don't care. <laughs> just being here, you know. <sighs> Uh, yeah, that's how blues. I feel. The <laughs> yeah. last hot topic was Michael Cohen. Did you guys see the testimony? The testimony? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that was. Speaking of grades, oh, no one wants to see. <laughs> he testified uh, yeah. that he threatened institutions not to release Trump's grades. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I, I understand it's not quite as, uh, I guess, damning as like the tax returns, but it's kind of a like, show us. Yeah. Show now I, I want, have to I know. want to now laugh. I have to know. Right. It's like, exactly. I am ready for this. Uh, it, it's just, a, a, as I tell Ife pretty much every day at work, I've like, been feeling a lot of uh, schadenfreude lately. Like, I don't want him to suffer, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I enjoy it when I, people laugh at him. I definitely look yeah. forward to a good laugh at his grades and test scores and essays. Ooh, yeah, <gasps> we Ooh. just need some stats. <laughs> I just want to see one book report he did just to see if he actually right. read a book. <laughs> Trevor Noah said he was trying to hide his perfect A in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Right. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us for Hot Talks. We're going to take a quick break. Yo, this is your girl, Freedom, and I'm here to let you know that you can log on to CollectedVoicesFilmFest.com to submit your new independent film to our Traveling Film Fest. Not only are we in Chicago and LA, but this year we hit Nigeria. So submit your film now to CollectedVoicesFilmFest.com for our 2019 season. Do you want us to try your great cannabis product? Go ahead and email sales at southofhollywoodpodcast.com. You can also reach out to us on social media, SOH Podcast Official on Instagram, SOH The Podcast on Twitter, or the plain old South of Hollywood page on Facebook. Alrighty, so we're gonna get into our main topic about cinema noir. So, I mean, first of all, there's a long history of horror and uh, in American cinema, but you know, maybe you guys want to just tell me what makes you afraid? Like, what scares you in a movie? Sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess also uh, being chased, you know. but also just uh, fear of the dark, like something in the dark that I can't see that is after me. Stalkers, mm. won't leave my family alone, mm. won't leave me at my job to make my money. And then you want to kill me too? <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. just greedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm personally terrified by like psychological things, mm. like serial killers or 
some sort of really serious like cultural societal shift like the purge like that really terrifies me cults but but just like yeah brainwashing brain control uh even on like a bigger scale um some i guess something out of our control that's controlling us yeah definitely and when i think about that right now i think the hottest director is definitely jordan peele oh yeah shout out bro yeah (laughs) you did it you did it (laughs) and so jordan peele really is the man though um so born in right before the 80s you know born in 79 Mm -hmm. and i think that timing just really goes to show what we're seeing now of his body of work Mm -hmm. um so jordan peele was got his start in improv comedy troops Mm -hmm. and um he's known for Mm, right in Chicago, and then he was a part of Boom Chicago, which is in Amsterdam. He was able to meet Keegan Michael Key, and like that duo takes off. You know, it seems like they're together. But they made a, met in a 2003 uh, at Second City, um, and then going into Mad TV for like the final five seasons, uh, collaborating a lot with Keegan Michael Key with that. Uh, then going on to creating Key and Peele, mm. uh, which was the fantastic five-season run of of enhanced sketch comedy. Like, there's no laugh track. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I feel we begin to see his mark as a writer, as an auteur, um, as to, you know, what his direction is. Uh, but also wh- his influences. Wait. Like, mm-hmm. just... Uh, you know, the shout-outs to, uh, like, Gremlins 2 and Back yeah. to the Future, like... The man is a nerd, but he is a nerd with a vision. Right, and right. That definitely like '80s baby, '90s. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. And and that is the per for this nostalgic, you know, remake reboot kind of time. Mm-hmm. Like again, his timing is just perfect. Yeah. And but he also has like the the filmmaker's eye to go behind. He's not just a fan. He is actually talented. So and that I think makes all the difference. And. I'm just so proud of him, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I really think there's a connection, and and, and you kind of see that again in Key and Peele, between humor and tragedy, and tragedy and, like, horror. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, I always think my favorite skit of theirs is where the police cops, and this is, I think, in the very last season, Mm -hmm. where the police cop is, like, just shooting every time he sees a black person. But then, like, they, like, slow it down, and then it's just, like, gunshot, 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 gunshot. So at some point, you're, like... This is really terrifying, but also yeah. hilarious because it's so ridiculous. So, like, they just did a really good job of taking things that were happening contemporary time and that would typically be tragic and horrific and then putting a very, like, dark sense of humor spin on it. Oh, yeah. oh, another great example of that is because um, they had a lot of sketches about Obama. and uh, But one of my favorites, it's a really short one, it's him teaching... Uh, Malia had to drive and you know they get pulled over and uh, the cop the white cop says uh, oh Mr. President I'm so sorry he's like no no uh, she needs to learn and she ran that stop sign just treat this like any other stop and the next shot is Obama slammed against the hood of the, the, hood of the car like oh this is not what I meant and it's like oh right so he does uh, you know Kim Peel the sketch series does a great job of combining social issues mm-hmm. and like having this you know fantastical state of it and 
in different periods of time uh, like in season one they had Das Negros which was like <laughs> you know the um, Gestapo was coming in and trying to like have those you know, eugenic tests um, and, and kind of like the cat toy like black people love cat toys like you know just, so, just subverting like what ridiculous stereotypes they are um, and we see how they begin to subvert tropes within you know, comedy and horror, like the mm-hmm. the magical Negro fight. That was just, oh, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like totally insane and and really like challenging mm-hmm. what we think about when we are depending on these characters to play a certain role in the story. And one of the the magical things about Key and Peel is that there was kind of a sketch for everybody, like whether it's like a nerdy movie reference or it's a uh, like a telling your family that they're going to have a gay wedding and they have questions like so when are we listening to it's raining men and you know so it's not just like oh you know movie spoof it's actually Mm -hmm. real situations that you know this huge demographic can relate to right yeah i mean the creativity and originality of it all Mm -hmm. definitely um was inspiring and i think like so giving way to like what as soon as Ken Pill ended, it was kind of mm-hmm. a shock that he would make such a serious uh, dark film as yeah. Get Out, right? So you guys mm-hmm. all saw Get Out. What, yeah. what were your impressions of Get Out? We needed it. I I am also so glad that I went in just knowing nothing about it, but I, just knowing that I love Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. and I don't think he'd betray me. And ooh ooh. Just, I mean, I'm blown away. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, damn. <laughs> I, I'm i not a slash and gory type of horror person. Mm-hmm. You're lost. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I love sound. Like, I love the sound and the squishiness, but just the, you know, whole feel. I, I don't know. Dumb decisions. Like, you know, mm-hmm. put it to the side. I Go into the woods. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was like why Get Out was called Get Out because of all of the screaming that we tend to do during horror movies where it's like they're making those dumps. Get Out, no, get mm-hmm. out. you know, this is what a black family would do. And that's what mm-hmm. Peel talked about, um, actually. Uh, get Out is a reference to one of Eddie Murphy's uh, stand-up, you know, skits yeah. uh, where, he, where he's talking about that. Um, so... <laughs> I, I like how it w- get out was so carefully written and curated mm-hmm. to be a redemptive horror film for black people. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, and we get that through the use of symbolism. And I think more than anything, the ending mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Get Out is why it's so impactful and why we kind of see this you know expansion now into okay we're we want to be in jordan peele's world what can you offer mm-hmm. so we can feel okay when we leave the movie theater. yeah yeah because i mean you can still make a huge impact and a big statement but we don't feel like shit afterwards you know because that there's also something nihilistic about that like oh yeah oh it's all terrible anyway so you know, kudos to him. And th- that's a big debate that a lot of horror movies, especially when they're getting huge distribution, that ending, because a lot of original endings have been changed just for that. Is the audience going to like 
riot afterwards kind of thing. Yeah, they brought that up in the, the documentary series, Horror Noir, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there was supposed to be an alternate, or there was a different ending initially, mm-hmm. where the lead character ends up in jail. You know, so I and yeah. I actually was thinking we were just talking about like when the actual police show up. Initially, I thought that was him. He was going to get shot. Yeah, and just, this is like, it. Die, you know, but, you know, because that was just terrifying in and of itself after everything else had happened in the story. Like, oh, here's this other element of really realistic terror where now the cops show up and you're you're the one that's considered committing the crime. Well, yeah, that was the moment where I I was practically sure you know oh this is gonna be nigh the living dead all over again like he you know fights through the whole thing he does the right thing uh, mostly um and then doesn't make it Mm -hmm. and i thought that would have been a really cool callback to you know that really momentous moment just for you know black actors in general not just Mm -hmm. horror but, you know, I'm kind of glad that yeah. <laughs> he didn't do that. Right. And as Jordan Peele alludes to, you know, the significance of uh, Night of, of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. uh, you know, throughout us cheering on for Chris to make it out, to get out. Yeah. Uh, he uses his imagery in a way that makes the ending possible. So mm-hmm. when we see the police headlights show, you know, flash and we're mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're about to go down. Yep. Like the audience already has that ingrained of what that's what's going to happen to that, a that black man. That expectation. Right. So, um, you know, as he spoke about the time frame, it took eight years for Get Out to be completed. Mm-hmm. So in during the time change the the regime change between the obama and the trump administration uh between you know black lives matter charlottesville what the needs of the audience uh was changed and Mm -hmm. he was able to be sensitive to how much we needed a hero Mm -hmm. so um i think one notch as far as like uh peel's authorship is his relationship to the audience and mm-hmm. right you know writing for the audience and and giving the audience what they want you want to scare them you want to challenge them mm-hmm. but you know he's wanting us to walk out with something you know ahead of time rather than business as usual well one thing that kind of strikes me especially in a horror movie um is a sense of compassion for the audience and i think you feel kind of cared for by him. You know, it's not just that, like, hostile, like, they don't care about us. They want us to be upset. But, you know, Jordan Peele wanted us to be entertained, to be interested, to, you know, have a larger conversation. And it just felt, you know, very considerate to the audience. And, you know, thank you, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree, like, with the ending of that, the the time that the film actually was released, we we needed a hero at the end of the film. We needed him to not only get out, but also get out victoriously, right? To actually defeat yeah. the true villains and to kind of be able to go free, as it were. And so that was actually, yeah, more surprising than anything was that he didn't die at the end. Yeah, kind of in defiance right, of the of, trope and of, the cycle. Exactly, of the stereotype and, and definitely breaking the cycle, right? Because mm-hmm. the family, um, you know, typically you have a, a white savior 
especially mm-hmm. in horror films that involve black people and stories that involve black people in general. And right at the end, and you right know, they the come end, they in, come, nick of time. They, yeah, and they Don't help, worry, officers, he's with me. He, yeah, they help get him out of the situation, and he, you know, intentionally didn't do that. And all of the white people in this case are the villains. Like, mm-hmm. they are the ones that are bad. But we don't see them as bad because they're white. We see them as bad because of what it is they're actually doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even the idea of, like, this auction, I mean, I, that still really sits with me in the film. I don't even know what to really think about it, you know, to begin with that, that scene where we're like, when he's revealing to us that they're actually betting on him and, and who can get his body. And I just think, man, if that isn't a throwback to the reality of the first initial black horror, you know, what we were truly terrified of being separated, being pulled apart, being sold, our bodies being taken Mm -hmm. literally and you know this idea that that's somehow very innately still scary to black people like I think every black person saw that scene and was like holy shit like (laughs) they're selling him like in the audience like I remember that reaction like Mm -hmm. oh my god so you know ruined in bingo (laughs) so yeah so you know he really taps into as a as again like you're pointing out making films for his audience his audience is clearly black people and he's really tapping into what is at the root of black terror. What are we terrified of? What's horrific yeah. to us? Um, and, and why is that unique to our experience? Because, yes, it's something that anybody could watch and be like, yeah, that's terrifying for mm-hmm. anyone. But why is it so terrifying for African-Americans, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and just to look at horror in a wider sense, I mean, a lot of our stories kind of play up on that idea, too. Like, we were talking mm-hmm. about Eve's Bayou or even Beloved, or Candyman, mm-hmm. you know, really still throw back to the initial American terror for African Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just really, uh, everything's making sense now. Uh, from you know, from the really point, unfortunate or, sense. Right, yeah. unfortunate sense that's bringing about, but really great sense, uh, you know, in the form of what media is for black people and how we can control our portrayals um, you know, just to go back on the King Appeal a bit, there was the white zombies and the alien imposters uh, sketches that mm-hmm. basically <laughs> challenged, uh, yeah, what what are black people's space, you know, uh, <laughs> when dealing and, and these like surreal worlds, like especially with like white zombies where none of the white zombies were going after black the people. And it was like, zombies. yeah, racist zombies. And, and the strong white hero is, right. goes down in the first like 30 seconds. <laughs> Shout out to Kevin Sorbo. I love you, Hercules. <gasps> Anyway, Ke- yeah, Kevin. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know how that's personal for me, but uh, nineties, Kevin. Ni- 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 yes, nineties, Kevin. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but seeing like the racist zombies and then the alien imposters, mm-hmm. especially funny, uh, and then going on where Peel had the opportunity to actually direct Black Klansmen, um, but his table was full, uh, and he was able to bring Spike Lee into the mix. And, you know, another notch as far as like his auteur, his auteurism and who he collaborates with. Mm-hmm. And I think Spike Lee, well, he pimping at the top of Peel's list, not only was a mm-hmm. great decision, but uh, another movie that needed to be made now no. like right. as a direct cultural right. response. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe not horror, but no, definitely but playing up on horror. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and surrealism. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole first scene is this idea, which is very surreal, of like traditional 1950s commercials, which were um, 
initially like the bomb commercials, like how to survive a bomb. Oh, yeah. But they like played up on it about like how to survive like the race wars, you know? Oh, boy. And just ginning up people. But literally almost rhetoric similar to what we're hearing today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why at the end, you know, whether it was Kim, uh, Peel's idea, Jordan Peel's idea, or whether it was Spike Lee's idea, oh, to I then I wonder about that. Yeah, right. Mm. To then put back in the real current footage of Charlottesville, because again, it's like how terrifying is this story? So terrifying that it's still happening right now. Yeah, and I feel like that was uh, above all the messages. The number one was like, it's not over. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, this is a crazy, sensational story. We're not done. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, just like oh. Spoiler, spoiler, just like the ending of Black Klansman. It's like, yeah, you did this great thing. Okay, you're done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we've got we more. got more to do. We got more to do. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, Peel's collaborating uh, choices, I feel, are very mm-hmm. impeccable. Another person who he's collaborated with, uh, Tracy Morgan, who Ooh. is so important to just, like, black life and him being a veteran comedian mm-hmm. uh, and you know his well-known accident um, that happened a few years ago and and like we all were like rooting for him to come back yeah. it was really heartwarming to see how him and peel's connection was able to uh you know create new contact with the with the last og that's mm-hmm. coming out that's you know uh it it features tiffany haddish it features these veteran comedians uh, but they're incorporating, you know, comedy, drama, horror, and, and bringing these complexities out, and which is like genre blending that is seamless, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on this part. So I, I really like that series. I like how he has made even Tracy Morgan feel more comfortable, and, and, and uh, he feels that Peel enhances his level as an entertainer mm-hmm. uh, for someone who's perceived as a newcomer. But you, I mean, like 2003 was like almost 20 years ago. It doesn't feel like, but that's when like Mad TV came out. But Jordan Peel's been in the game for almost 20 years, mm-hmm. so it, it does also just point out like how the efforts of being black in media, how you really have to invest in, in mm. the type of image that you want to create. What is, mm-hmm. what type of world do you want to see for yourself? So. Um, and with horror, like overall, just being, you know, it's like a genre, like it's a, you know, you eat it up or you don't like it, but having horror actually, you know, um, have a more pronounced say into the state of the world. Cause ain't nothing scarier in real life. Oh God. See, that's why so. I love my horror movies because I would rather worry about Leatherface chasing me down than, you know, the, what's going to happen when, uh, the ice caps finally melt or the president you know, presses the wrong button and we have, you know, blown up England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll take Leatherface. Thank you. Is that Brexit? Is that what yeah. Brexit is supposed to be? Okay. Uh. I mean, yeah. And there's, there's, <laughs> there's so much to say about kind of like the, the amount of people that he's influenced and impacted. And I think we're still mm. going to see it come to fruition in the next few years, especially. Um, there's a few projects I'm looking forward to seeing from him. Um, definitely the Twilight Zone. That's going to be really exciting because, I mean, he's definitely proved that he can be suspenseful, that he can be, you know, insightful, that he can be nuanced and, you know, utilize parable or 
you know, some stories with a meaning. So I think that's what the Twilight Zone, for me, the Twilight Zone has really always been about the morals of the story. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that twisted reality and how you can use, you know, surrealist fables mm-hmm. in yeah, current fables. Times. I think that's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah. Uh, they're just, you know, they're little tales, um, some more simple or, you know, spooky alien costume based than others. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they would. I feel like they would sneak them in these, yeah. you know, these these little commentaries. But yeah, at the time they had to sneak them in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Rod Sterling was like a really badass dude, you know. He for was his so time. badass. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and you know his work, his works outside of Twilight Zone, he was able to express in a more direct uh, way creatively about the social ills of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. In Twilight Zone, the original run, since advertisers are all up in your business, you know, mm-hmm. to, to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, is all your cast white? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The different the, times, yeah. you know. Right, so, but the standards yeah. of decency always mm-hmm. play into anything scary yeah. or controversial. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's always what are the standards of the day mm-hmm. and are you violating those? Right. And, you know, yeah. uh, I think that's <laughs> apropos right now. I think that's mm-hmm. really apropos because we're we're really living in a society that currently is not, and maybe for better or worse, but we don't have a status quo right now, right? I mean, to some extent, everything's our, up in the air. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, and, and to some extent, that's what's so terrifying about our current political social system mm-hmm. is that we don't have any grounding right now. No one has any sort of anchor or anything to base what's right or wrong, what's truth or lie, what's good or bad. We're really floating right now in a moral, immoral sort of word. And world. very distrusting. Very distrusting. And that is, the, that is the society that gives way to something like Twilight Zone because the mm-hmm. Twilight Zone comes after the McCarthy era. Yeah, so it, yeah. it already comes after an a, a, a area of heightened paranoia mm-hmm. when we're very distressed about so-called foreign enemies being able to just murder us at a at a whim like you said of a button Mm -hmm. that that mindset gave gave way to the stories of the twilight zone and what it meant to be patriotic by Mm -hmm. snitching on somebody that you think might be a commie Mm -hmm. because or in general yeah like my favorite twilight story is about the pig faces right yeah yeah it's it's such a shame she's so ugly yeah and wasn't that a metaphor for what (laughs) our political system was dealing with you know when one something that was maybe considered very beautiful but everyone is saying oh no it's ugly Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah that's why i think rod sterling is such a, a great model um you know, with contributing to Twilight Zone, he had to fight for creative control just for his day as a white man. You know, just, you know, uh, that says being a lot. Able, right. <laughs> uh, for, for the many other topics than just the genre itself of, you know, what was appropriate, what he can do. So, um, Jordan Peele revamping this, and mind you, the Twilight Zone has been revamped what several times before. I remember. Like, yeah, they keep trying. Right, and so <laughs> I am very excited about mm-hmm. this one. I think Forrest Whitaker did it last one, but you know, anyway, for, he did. He yeah, did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out, but <laughs> but with, with I love Peele, you, Ghost Dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> Peele cre- has created a demand for a new type of storytelling. I am excited for the amount of creative control. I don't think it, it would par even with, with Rod Serling, mm-hmm. you know, what ha- for his day. Uh, 
because the demands are different and we, we, and we need the diversity we need the representation we can't suppress anymore after oscar so white and all of the movements that are happening for this the oscars are really white mm. yes of course <laughs> oh shit so um and, I, and in the trailer for uh twilight zone you know tracy morgan is in it so like that collaboratorship and and mm. helping expand morgan's you know what he can do as an actor serious you know i can take him like I, i'm excited well what i'm hoping is that twilight zone is going to be kind of jordan peele's uh, kind of black mirror but hopefully a little less fucking upsetting because man that that one episode just <laughs> really and and i love scary things but that that shit was too real and but yeah i mean i'm excited to see his take on because he does meta so well like, he is very self-aware. Um, what is it? Like, he's very self-reflective. Right. And so he could just take things in so many different ways. And, mm. yeah, that creative control, because he is, damn yeah. if he has not proven himself. Yeah. You know, not just marketable and, you know, you can right. make money. Yeah. Right. But he has set a damn high bar yes. for quality when yeah. it comes yeah. to, you know, it's not just, oh, I made this great... Scary, movie. scary slasher. Mm -hmm. Let's make another one even bloodier. It's mm -hmm. like, no, you made something meaningful and yeah. necessary. Yeah, and I think we, I think he's gonna really cross over into the slasher territory with us. Yeah. Um, it looks to be a bit more bloody, a bit more violent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's taking us into the full-on horror of it. So like, mm -hmm. whereas Get Out, it was definitely psychological, and he only yeah. really gets gory at the like, end, like last fifteen, the last fifteen minutes. Yeah. It seems like he might have been. You know, this is a bit of a response to like more of a demand for even the gore of it all. Yeah, yeah, which but, is great for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because there's even more people who are like, yeah, kind of pulled in by that, but still very psychological is what it's looking like. Too. And mm -hmm. and being associated with him, uh, we're all going to go in expecting a certain amount of quality. Like, mm -hmm. we're not here, except for maybe me, just for the gore. Mm -hmm. Because, right. you know, that's one of the big, big draws of any horror movie is, mm -hmm. you know, the spectacle. Mm -hmm. But if people are drawn to his movies because, you know, not just visuals, but mm -hmm. it's actually going to be incredibly impactful, yeah. like, right. and he uh, better bring it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on uh, uh, speaking about us, Peel had uh, mentioned that it's important to to me that we can tell black stories without it being about race. I realized that I had never seen a horror movie of this kind where there's an African-American family at the center that just is. Mm -hmm. After you get over the initial realization that you're watching a black family in a horror film, you're just watching a movie. You're just watching people. Mm -hmm. I feel... <laughs> please. <laughs> I feel like it proves a very valid and different point than Get Out, which is not everything is about race. Get Out proved the point that everything is about race. I've proved both points. <laughs> so, interesting. I, I think that's really, yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. it's definitely phenomenal because, so, you know, if, if like we're talking about the, the initial idea of black horror coming out of slavery, you know, the, the, the other side of that coin um, was were stories about flight and were stories about mm. escapism mm -hmm. and stories about, um, you know, not necessarily assimilation, but acceptance. And mm -hmm. so we look at, again, something like um, even the zombie genre, which I love mm -hmm. because in the zombie genre, black people tend to survive. 
they tend to become even the heroes in those type of films because I don't know you again you can throw back to history whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. but you know it's been it's become uh, understandable we accept that black people can survive a, a zombie apocalypse <laughs> so you know because of their badassness right their ability yeah. to like overcome and I think you we we want also stories in which we are our, our own worst enemies our own villains mm-hmm. as well as our own saviors our own rescuers so you know to have a story where the family plays both the villains and perhaps mm-hmm. the protagonists you know, we get to see who really wins, good or evil, bad, you know, mm-hmm. good or bad. But there's only one character, right? There's only one Lupita or whatever you want to call it. There you know? can be only one Lupita. So, like, yeah. I'm we really, already know that. We know that, right? And so I'm really excited to see him really de- delve into that and, mm-hmm. you know, get get with it. It's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Yes. That's like, that is that is a gold star. That's a gold star. I think <laughs> that is a hug from the internet. Talk yeah. about people pleasing. Only, yeah, only, and so far, you know, black films have been doing it. I mean, the only other films that had that were Get Out and Black Panther last year, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, and there's, there's a tendency in Hollywood, uh, I, I don't know if y'all know this, mm-hmm. to oversimplify mm-hmm. like when it comes to race you know everything's just solved in the end mm-hmm. you know and w- what I love about Get Out is like yes he escaped mm-hmm. but this shit was real you know mm-hmm. this was actually going on like he got out but so right. yeah yeah think about everybody who came before him mm-hmm. um so yeah, Andre just- Hayworth <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so, I mean, I'm looking forward to us and seeing, like, where that story really goes. Mm-hmm. Right. And he is taking over Candyman in 2020. There's going to be a mm-hmm. reboot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just, yeah, taking over this genre uh, and and bringing something of value. I'm really glad. This is, like, Black Renaissance Part <laughs> 2. Well, Candyman in particular, like... No, it can't quite hold up, you know, on a Get Out's level, but just uh, for its time, it came out uh, 92, I believe, 92 or 93, so, you know, early 90s, kind of tail end of the slasher genre, and it surprised the shit out of everybody. Like, it's presented this, um, just a very, very different, unique... Slasher villain doesn't even seem like the right word, because... You know, this wasn't just like, oh, he was, you know, murdered at this campsite. This was like a direct, like racially provoked, like tragedy. And rooted in American history, right? Like that actually is such a real story, even if that particular story was fictionalized. And set, you know, it's this, uh, uh, this white woman, Virginia Madsen, who is, you know, studying the urban legend of Candyman and trying to go into Cabrini Green, the, um, you know, super... Project. Yeah, super mm-hmm. projects. Um, so it's it's just, it's doing a lot of things, not always perfectly, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, it's this white perspective trying to be insightful and non-judgmental and doing it anyway. <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, for, for all its flaws, it did something incredibly unique. Yeah, and it's a cult film, for oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it definitely goes down in film history and horror history in general. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, nobody else but Tony Todd can pull off that role. Not just the height, but the voice, the yeah. presence, and just kind of the... There's kind of a, a beautiful 
tragic poetry to his performance. And you can't say that about Michael Myers or uh, Freddy Krueger. Although, uh, you know, no, nothing against Robert England. I love you, dear. Yeah, but, but they didn't play actual characters. Yeah, yeah they played mm-hmm. uh, uh, caricatures. They yeah. played archetypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. Candyman is, it's like something that we created. Mm-hmm. And it's now, the monster we created. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's so many amazing more <laughs> topics we could talk about horror. I, I really love it. It's been great with you guys. Thank oh, you okay. so much for coming. Oh, thanks for having yes, me. Yes, it's been really great to delve into what's scary and what, you know, is the American horror story for sure. And, and not just the TV show. And not just the right. TV show. Although <laughs> Coven season three did hit the nail on the motherfucking head. Yes. Uh, African voodoo turns into American horror. So, yes, that's another good one. And yes, yes. Angela Bassett is immortal. Yes. I knew yes. that all yes. along. And she's coming back. Elegba <laughs> is, is waiting. <laughs> Susan, I love it. But yeah. something even more scary or, or, or on the last scary note we leave you with is our visual viral video this week. You want to take it away, Tyler? No, I don't. I don't want to know. (laughs) Actually, no. There's truly nothing scarier than this week's video. (laughs) So at least you get a track with it. Go ahead and dance. (laughs) Don't tell me with this I can't help you. Robert. We briefly pause the interview to give Kelly a moment. dose of reality to really shake you up yeah <laughs> well thanks so much for coming guys you can check us out on south of hollywood podcast.com we're on facebook instagram itunes and soundcloud so hit us up <laughs> thank you for watching us on youtube we'll be back next time ciao yeah. bye <laughs>